Hi, I'm Katie Steinberg, and this is Game Changers. Today, I have the SVP of Sales for Amadeus joining me, Alberto Santana. Alberto, it's so good to see you. Great to see you, Katie, as well. Greetings. Greetings from Miami, Florida. <laughs> Alberto has his University of Miami cup, of course. Always Absolutely. <laughs> I have the vintage orange bowl right behind me for those people old enough to remember it still at this point. And you know, I'm not going to have a cup that's too far away from me that's representing the U, okay? Just so you know. <laughs> and Alberto, how many Miami Hurricane games have you been to? Well, it's easier to say how many I haven't been to. I would say since 1979, I've probably only missed about 15 or so. We're going to leave 2020 off the books because I think that was kind of unfair, even though I did go to the <laughs> FSU and North Carolina game. But without tailgating... You might as well watch Older. it on TV, you know what I mean? <laughs> Completely understood. <laughs> Alberto and I met through just working together on different segments and things like that. And then him being in hospitality, I quickly realized that he's also one of the biggest sports fan of all time. So it made us decide to do this special episode of Game Changers, where we're going to be talking sports, entertainment, and hospitality. So we're going to go into the Winter Olympics. We're going to talk about Super Bowl. We're going to talk about college sports, and then we're also going to talk about travel in 2022. So, Alberto, what is your favorite part about working at Amadeus and your favorite part of your job? <laughs> oh, thank you. That's a, you know, that's a great question. Other than working with colleagues, I do appreciate working with my colleagues and definitely with our partners and our, and our customers. We, we have customers around the world. We're a, a global travel company. I'm fortunate enough to join the organization at the onset of when they started the hospitality division via acquisition. So I've been able to join this very large organization and it's really been a pleasure. Now, that being said, my favorite part of the job is communicating with people uncovering, you know, challenges. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, it's just, I'll be, I'll be honest, is understanding this business. The hospitality business is, is quite fascinating, mm -hmm. uh, to say the least. You take any individual hotel that you've ever been to or any brand of hotels that you like, and there, there's such a there's such a difference from place to place. Mm -hmm. And you never know it's different owners, there's different brands, there's different management companies. Your customer can be any one of three people. But what's beautiful is just to watch the growth and the potential that the business puts out there. And really, they try to become a fabric of their local community for the most yeah. part, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't care where you're from. There's always like some kind of grand damn hotel, a hotel that you went to as a kid or a hotel that just represents your town. You know, here in, in Miami, for example, we have the fame, the Biltmore and Coral Gables. Yeah. And I just love the experience of walking into a lobby and leaving the business as for a little while, checking out what they're doing and, and different aspects of what they're offering, how they're taking care of events. And think about it. You can go to a hotel and see anything, right? You have business travelers. You have people that are just hanging out, right? Leisure travelers, especially nowadays, right? Business and leisure together. You might get there on a day where they're having a wedding. You might yeah. get there on a day where everybody has a lanyard, right? And they're part of a big conference or something. So there's always so much going on. And I just really appreciate every aspect of this business. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it always helps to be able to go to new and interesting locations, right? And see how companies are growing and what they're doing. Again, to become part of that community and to bring something new. Because, I, again, I almost don't care where you live. But if, like myself here in Miami, there's always a new project going on and it's tied to a hotel. I mean, for the most Absolutely. part, it's going to be tied to some sort of hotel. Completely. It's a community within it. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. What initially actually got you into hospitality? 
Wow. So uh, <laughs> I haven't been asked this in many years, but I do like talking about it. So I was fortunate enough. I used to be in the shipping business, if you can imagine that. Wow. Yeah, I used to be in logistics which nowadays people know what that is because of obviously UPS commercials and, and Amazon. Everybody really understands and tracks their package. When is it going to get mm-hmm. here, right? Mm-hmm. I used to be in the shipping part of the business, but I had some friends that I went to high school with mm-hmm. that were had a startup. And they were like, we have a startup. We're, we're going to do this thing for the hospitality industry. We're going to do work orders and service maintenance <laughs> tickets for hotels. And yeah. you know, we'd love for you to join our team. And after a little bit of conversation, yeah, they called me on July 4th fourth of 2000. And I was laying on a beach as is typical (laughs) for most of us. Right. And I took his call and I'm like, Hey man, yeah, you know what? I am going to, well, actually, let me rephrase that. I took a beep and I caught somebody back. (laughs) Anyways, I I, I go, Oh, this is, I go, you know what? Hey, we've been talking about this for a while. I'm going to join you guys. Give me four weeks and I'll be there. And more or less on August 1st of uh, 2000, I joined them. And we went through, you know, some up and downs like you would in any bootstrap company, you know, but that's how I got into it. Bootstrap startup starts that way, but that's how I, my initial start. And once I was in and you just watched the inner workings of everything, you you know, I just really enjoyed it. The only other experience I had, I did park some cars for a while at a hotel and every once in a while when they would ask you to come in and they're looking for people to help do things. I don't know how they trusted me in cars, but <laughs> so somebody gave me, somebody goes, hey, you just take keys and park cars. <laughs> so so I, I wasn't absolutely new to hotels, but I was. And again, ever <laughs> since I've been in, all the ups and downs and everything that the industry has seen, it's just been wonderful to be part of it. And, and you know, I'll be tell you one more thing, Katie. We were lucky enough that we were actually introducing something very new. We were one of the first providers that were doing a cloud offering. For hotels. And imagine we were talking about the cloud in 04 and delivering that. So it was a fascinating time to be around just tech and hotels at the same time, if you would. Absolutely. Gosh. And Amadeus is such a power player in the world of hospitality. So you guys have done so well throughout, you know, the pandemic. Or what were some of the key things that you feel like really helped you guys just continue progressing? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to our our corporate offices. We're based out of, we're again, publicly traded based out of Madrid. Mm -hmm. And they did a wonderful job of number one, taking care of their employees and taking care of their partners. We we got together with a lot of industry folks and we knew that, hey, I mean, the next few months at least are going to be difficult to say the least. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, travel just stopped. Right. It just (laughs) stopped completely. And we're tied. And keep in mind that while I am part of what's the hospitality team, Mm -hmm. the organization is all about travel. So really, Mm -hmm. we we concentrate predominantly, if you would, on on aviation and travel aspect of the business. So whether it's, you know, CRS is for booking a hotel, like, you know, travel agents that book hotels or, or just getting on an airline. So getting a ticket to running. So needless to say, they did a good job, really commendable job of taking care of their customers and their Mm -hmm. employees throughout this. It was difficult though, right? I mean, again, we we were probably the business that was most affected out of everything that we see out there. If you think about a lot of other businesses would have been something that, well, it's still essential if you would. And, you know, travel while essential. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people just got grounded, whether you were a business traveler or just got quarantined and the shifting sands were the most difficult part of all this. It's not like you you couldn't like just say, okay, this is going to be for two months. Oh, this is going to be for three months. I mean, to this point, we still don't know. I mean, we, I mean, what is it? Today is the 7th of December and we're still talking about lockdowns again right now in Canada. Right. So this becomes a difficult part, but I mean, the, the company has, 
very strong financial holdings. You know, they did all the good things to plan for, for what might happen here. And like anybody else, we, we went through some changes, some reorganization aspects of things. But I think we're bouncing back and the entire industry is bouncing back yeah. really well, predominantly okay. here in, in North America. And we're very, at least myself, I'm very fortunate. Again, based out of Florida, it's been a little mm-hmm. bit more free. I'm, and I know you're in yeah. Texas. You <laughs> yeah, and I don't mean to get political and use the word free, but at the end of the day, it is what it is, right? I mean, Florida and Texas are, are too. Long. Yeah, both, it both is. good states to be in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And once once you're open, it, it helps, right? But again, you never know who's going to get locked down, what kind of change was going to happen. And we've been, I think, really successful at navigating unforeseen waters with constraints globally, if you think about it. I'm in awe of Amadeus with certain things. (laughs) You guys being such a travel company, one of, you know, the big stories and something everyone's talking about is travel in 2022. A lot of people are saying it's back. It's going to be even greater than it was in 2019 or similar numbers or different things like that. What are you thinking? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Everything's pointing to that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things very unique about Amadeus is that we look at forward-looking data. And a lot of folks just don't look at this. So we, we capture bookings. We understand where people are booking, what kind of trends are out there. And we can ca- kind of give you a good understanding of what's happening six months from now. Now, that's a little bit even beyond to a certain extent. It's a little bit difficult because of the booking window. So mm-hmm. what used to happen, and Katie, I'm sure this happens to you as well. And it used to depend predominantly on demographics, but most people used to book early, right? Like you're like, oh, okay, yeah. well, the kids are going to be on spring break in March and you were booking that like in October, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe even March of the year before. Well, a lot of people are waiting till the last minute to book things and even business travelers. So what's occurred is that, yeah, we've seen a down, you know, the business travel still a bit down, but leisure travel is up. And with so many people yeah. having this opportunity to work from basically anywhere, what we're also seeing is, again, this term of leisure. We have people that are saying, hey, I want to go visit Aunt Sally somewhere, yeah. but I can still work there. So rather than visit Aunt Sally just for her birthday, you know, I just want to extend it and hang out in stay. whatever town Aunt Sally might live in. Mm-hmm. Now, I will give you more specifics about the number because this is really interesting. We're actually surpassing 19 numbers right now as it comes to hotel bookings. Wow. We're still seeing air bookings, you know, getting there, if you would. They're mm-hmm. not at the same levels, but because we're seeing a lot of folks driving rather than flying, which I mm-hmm. think can be expected to a, to an extent. That being said, I mean, we're definitely seeing us surpassing 19 numbers. We were reaching, you know, just before the Thanksgiving break. It was fascinating because that's a, a great indicator of how things are rebounding or not, right? Everybody travels around Thanksgiving, you want to go home for the holidays, we're seeing matched numbers as it relates to 19. Again, could we have told you that like six months before where we're showing it for sure? What happens is, though, again, it's that last minute booking. We're looking at booking windows again now. It's like a day, a day or two. That's fascinating mm-hmm. to me. And it makes it really difficult, if you would, for the hotels themselves as well, right? Because yeah. it's so hard to prepare when you have no idea who might be coming, right? And, and <laughs> you're seeing a yeah, you're seeing a fluctuation of about twenty percent in wow. the week. Yeah, so it's wow. fascinating. <laughs> so you're saying that travel numbers absolutely will be back, and then also it might not just be by plane though. It a lot of people are driving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what we're seeing is that drive markets have been really hot. 
right? Mm -hmm. So many places a drive market has just been up, up, right? I mean, look, right now we're dealing with uh, Omicron variants and other things happening. And obviously people, you know, there are there are folks contracting COVID. I mean, we can't deny any yeah. of this. Luckily, this has been very mild for, for a lot of people, or at least it seems like that based on hospitalizations and what have you. Uh, but I think what's really interesting, though, is just seeing how the drive markets still continue to be, you know, leading the charge almost. And I think you're also seeing this just in families and in terms of what, if you think about leisure travel in general, right? I mean, if you don't know how things are going to change from one place to another, it's hard to book your family of four, let's say, to go somewhere. But if you're like, oh, well, I know I'm cool driving over here and it's a, you know, five, six hour drive and you definitely have the opportunity to say, yeah, great, we're, we're, gonna, mm -hmm. we're seeing those markets and we're seeing those hotels doing really well. Completely. And then also with the, as you said before, the added layer, you're able to book something more last minute because you have the availability to be like, oh, well, I don't have to call in sick or anything. I can still work from home when mm -hmm. I'm at whatever destination. Yeah. You know, I wonder how much of this is just the way people work nowadays, like in general, like the concept <laughs> of folks nowadays. And, you know, I always call this like the Amazon society, if you yeah, will. Yeah, society where, as a whole. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Society as a whole, if you think about it. Like, I'll, I, I'll, look, I'll never forget this. I was home, this is like four years ago now at this point. And I'm, I'm home. I'm, I think I was watching football, in fact, on a Sunday, <laughs> watching a little NFL action. No and the doorbell rings. Yeah, the doorbell rings and it's Amazon delivering a package. And I'm going, what do we pay for Sunday yeah. delivery for? Like, what do we need that badly? And I opened it up and it was incense. So you don't have mosquitoes, you know? And I was like, mosquito incense? And I was just blown away by that. Now that's a common occurrence, right? We ask for oh. something and it shows up any day of the week, right? So now it, you're upset if it doesn't show up on a Sunday. When well, it says it'll be on Sunday. <laughs> I know, right? Especially for mosquitoes when you want to be outside, at least down here. <laughs> It's interesting to watch just the, the change in terms of our expectations. So what happens is that when people are booking right now, I think it's like, well, I'm, I'm looking at rates, but maybe the rates get better. Or maybe I don't know where I want to stay yet. Or maybe you already know the place you want to go, but you haven't picked the place yet, you know, because maybe, maybe you're checking out Instagram to find a better place or, you know, who knows, right? I mean, so many things go into people's heads. And then you have people that just don't really care about the, you know, type of room yeah. Versus other people. Like, again, I'm going to tell you, if I'm traveling with the kids or even if I'm traveling with the spouse, I mean, I, I want a king bed, right? I'm a king bed yeah. guy. I'm you a, care where you're I, staying. But then yeah. there's those people who are just like, give me a room. I just need somewhere to rest my head. I just want, you know what? I'm going to go for a big BDM weekend somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> or EDM weekend, excuse me. I'm going to go, I'm going to hit this EDM. I'm going to go to this this thing. I'm just going to crash out for a little while. I'm going to have some friends with me. I can book the last yeah. week maybe, right? And then you got some old school people like myself and make, I want to make sure I have a room and it has the view that I want and yes. it has this and that. So I think that's playing a part. And, you know, also just the ability to book the last minute, right? Completely. I think everybody's waiting for some hot deal. And the other thing is too, we got to give credit where credit is due. Mm -hmm. When hotels are looking and when a lot of companies are looking at their occupancy, you can look for local people to fill your room if you give them a good deal. Right. Like yeah. if you live out in the burbs and you want to come and stay in downtown or in the beach or what have you, if somebody's giving you a last minute offer that makes some sense and it's been a while since you had a date night, you know, and mm -hmm. same Aunt Sally will watch the kids for you a couple of days, then you're going to make a last minute booking, you know. So true. And we now have the ability at our fingertips to look between what has the best deal at this location and then book immediately. It's, it's without question where that's right. You're the example of true hospitality where you want the hospitable experience where you get to choose everything. And it's all about selection and the experience and everything like that. But 
again, a lot of people are just kind of scrolling through like, what's the best deal? What will I pick? You know, just what's best for me and what works. Yeah, I, I really like this. This conversation is really interesting. And by the way, we can really go down the wormhole here because <laughs> it's interesting to, yeah, it's interesting to see what kind of surveys come back from folks on, in terms of the different types of tribes that there are mm -hmm. and what they're looking for. Some people yeah. want, are very socially conscious, right? They're like, oh, I want to uh, stay at a hotel that's socially conscious and what have you. Great. Some people are super food people, right? So like, I want to yeah, stay at a hotel foodies. with a food scene, right? I mean, I'm one of those people, right? And then some people really, some people are really brand loyalists, right? So no matter what, they just want to stay with their particular brand that they like somewhere. I think it's going to be interesting as well to see just what's happening. And this is me speaking personally, of course, in terms of those folks who had a lot of points, if you would, with a particular brand, as they started traveling again, maybe like, or like myself, right? I'm a, I'm a heavy business traveler. On average, I'll spend anywhere between 120, 125 nights on the road, right? Away from home. That doesn't include my vacation time with the family. I'm, a, I'm an avid traveler. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> it, it, oh, and, and by the way, that's I pale in comparison to a lot of the real road warriors out there. So what's been happening to some of these people though, is, you know, you've always stayed with brand X. We'll just mm -hmm. throw an X out there, right? Uh, unless somebody pays us some money to say their brand name. <laughs> but, but all kidding aside, though, if some people say with Brand X, I'm sure a lot of these folks have been using up all those points that they had mm -hmm. kind of stored for stuff. And because they're being limited on how much travel they can do business wise because of one reason or another, I think that what we're going to see is that, you know, loyalty to a brand might be for sale. If you would like people who always try brand X might get to the point where it's like, hey, I think I want to try brand Y. You know, I'm not married to this anymore or right now. Do I want to start a new relationship? So I think there's also a lot of pressure on the folks providing points and brands yeah. X, Y, Z, if you would out there to say, hey, oh, what do we do? In case, you know, these people's points are dwindling, how do I keep them? Do like I, I hook them up and keep them as a platinum or whatever for a while or a diamond? You know, everybody has a different oh, scale. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see what happens there over the next 12 to 14 months. And not only that, you got people that just said, I don't want to travel anymore. You know, that's anyway, it. I'm, I'm done, yeah. whatever. And you got some other folks are like, I never got a chance to travel. You know, and I and my window of opportunity that just got started closed for a while. Now I want to hit the ground running. I'm really curious to see how all this kind of plays out over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months for that matter. Mm -hmm. Well, with brand loyalty too, I think that another thing that changes with so much change within the world around us and so much unprecedented change, I think that people are, you know, going off the grain. And it's what you said before, there's just so much more power to the consumer where they're like, with all the change around, like, you're not going to stick with everything that you had prior, because you don't necessarily need to. And there's just so many different changes that you're changing things up yourself. You know, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think everyone had a good reflection during the term of 2020. You, you stared at the mirror a bit more. And you thought of a lot of different things in your life. And you know, maybe it's time to rehash some childhood passion, or maybe it's time <laughs> to do something. Well, think about it. Think about how many businesses have just started, you know, how many mm -hmm. COVID businesses that their college are calling them COVID pop-ups is what I like to call them once in a while. Just hey, I make soups out of my house. Uh, <laughs> and I do conk fritters. You know, I mean, there's all these little businesses that have popped up there, and people are industrious. And if it's mm -hmm. their passion and they have an opportunity 
to go back to their passion. I mean, that's that's important. I think it's motivating people to think that way. And again, it's it, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's gonna be really interesting. The other thing is, you know, there's a lot of folks that took a haircut, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of people that either lost their job, took a haircut at work, they, they cut back and they helped them reevaluate things, right? I mean, you were on a wheel, and right now you're you're pausing for a second. You're like, yeah, is is this what I want to do? You know, mm-hmm. and I get it. I get it. I think people reevaluate all the time. I just think collectively there was a big reevaluation, and hopefully we're taking it somewhere positive. We definitely know, and we definitely don't want to go down that rabbit hole. There's a lot of mental strain with everything that's happening, right? I mean, this has been a very tough time for folks suffering with depression or borderline suffering with depression, or what have you. But by the same token. Hopefully it's also been the opportunity to say, all right, well, how do I, how do I get myself out of this problem? And what I really want to, what I really want to focus on, right? Mm -hmm. More time for yourself. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you with Omicron, you mentioned before COVID has obviously taken a toll on travel, but with travel seemingly coming back so much, but uh, Omicron, unfortunately with the numbers raising every day, do we think that's going to have an effect on travel in 2022? Potentially, right? You can't necessarily Yeah, well, here's what I think is interesting is this is a very, it's a difficult topic because it's, mm-hmm. again, as I alluded to earlier, the, the sands are always shifting, right? It seems like, well, if you get this and then you're fine, you need to quarantine for 10 days. Oh, no, you need to have three negative tests. Oh, you need this. Oh, you need that. And what we are seeing with Omicron, we're seeing, you know, and look, I'm going to raise my hand right now as somebody who just went through this, right? Yeah. I tested positive on the 20th and that said I was negative by the 24th, right? At least on a, mm-hmm. on a home kit anyways. And what's interesting is, well, before it would have been like, well, let me stay quarantined. Now it's like, well, do I have to stay quarantined? Yeah. They, they, I mean, the CDC moved things from 10 days to five days. It definitely is a factor when it comes to events. So mm-hmm. this is, I think, the, the predominant challenge. I think vacations and, and leisure travel, because people book at the last minute, even people that book out, for the most part, people are going on their trips. Where it mm-hmm. becomes difficult is in the event space a bit, because if you have, whether it's a wedding and half of your party is sick, well, do you call it off? Yeah. Can you call it off? What are the rules for calling it off? Can I get deposits mm-hmm. back? Can I push the date out? So it's definitely going to have a little mishmash, if you would, in mm-hmm. terms of how things come together. But by the same token, and I think we're very fortunate in terms of what we're seeing so far, while we're seeing high infections, again, the hospitalizations don't match what we were seeing before. And not that you know, Delta variants went away or anything like that, but we're not seeing the same, we're not seeing the same thing. And I think people are becoming more and more accustomed to the fact that this exists. So yeah. how can I continue to live my life with this existing? You know, quite frankly, I mean, again, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. Let's just put this out there. And, and, and I'm certainly not, a, I'm a betting man, but not for this, right? <laughs> I just think that at some point, this is just what we're going to see. We're going to have to become accustomed to, you know, the changes. Some people are just going to have to pull out from things. Some people are going to keep going to things. And, and again, I, I think that does it affect travel? Of course. I mean, yeah. there's, no doubt about that. And, you know, it's interesting. There was a survey recently. I, I don't have the number exactly on me, but I think it's something like 60%, give or take. And I can get back to you once I fact check this, but 60% of the people surveyed on this last survey that I saw there, I think it was done by Hospitality Upgrade Magazine. No, right, but I could get that wrong. So let's not totally mm-hmm. quote that. But it okay. was one of the 60% of guests were concerned about the cancellation policies of a hotel to book a hotel. And yes. I think this is probably true for everything, right? Because I'm booked to go, but <laughs> I mean, am I going to click that little insurance button more often than not? Maybe now, mm-hmm. right? 
So we'll, we'll see how that, that part pans out, but there's definitely going to be an effect on travel. But again, I think more and more we're coming accustomed to the fact that these things exist. Yes. We're going to have to learn how to deal with it. We protect ourselves as much as possible. And, and I'm going to add one last thing here that I don't think enough people talk about, which is I think we all need to try to live a little bit of a healthier lifestyle as well so that maybe it helps us rebound faster because the numbers yeah. don't lie there either, right? If we can live a healthier lifestyle, we mm-hmm. should be able to face challenges a little more upright, if you would. Mm-hmm. Let's take it to our favorite topic. <laughs> Let's take this to sports. Oh, we're going to talk about the U because I'm so psyched. I'm so psyched. We have our, uh, you know, we have Mario Cristobal coming back as our head coach here. And I am super pumped about uh, the, the seasons to come and all the changes at the University of Miami. But I'll be calm. I'll let us talk about other ones, even though I am wearing my football shirt. I don't know if you can see that. Or I love it. Thank you. I got Wait, are those little football, football players, players on it? <laughs> it looks great. All right, let's just let's knock this off. Who do you have went in for Monday? You know, it's Georgia Bama. Um, yeah. Georgia hasn't been in the national championship since 2017. That's and right. it was actually against Bama. And right. they lost in overtime. But I'm rooting for Georgia. I don't I don't know if they'll be able to pull it through, but I'm really hoping. <laughs> what do you, you know, thinking? I was rooting for the dogs in the SEC championship. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm a Dolphins fan. There's a love hate mostly hate relationship with Nick Saban. I respect Nick Saban. I mm-hmm. respect Alabama. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's one hell of a football team. Oh, I was shocked I the way the dogs just kind of fell apart when they played Alabama. I don't know what it is about that uniform that just throws off. I don't know. It just throws off. It just throws off the dogs. It just does. I don't understand why Georgia looks at that Alabama uniform. And I don't know, maybe though, Maybe we're maybe they're ready for it. Maybe they're ready for it. I'll be rooting for them. It was interesting years ago, and as again as a Dolphin fan, that that that, that last game when they last played for the championship, that's when Tua came in and uh, really took over there. So it'll be interesting to watch if Georgia becomes a team that we just saw. Right? Mm-hmm. Are they the team that we just saw uh, against uh, Michigan, or are they the team that we saw against Alabama? And I'll tell you what, I want a good game. And I have a feeling the dogs are going to pull it off. I got a feeling. I don't know why. I just think they're finally going to do it. And, uh, you know, not since the days that Herschel Walker ran around there, are, are they going to be this excited, right? So, Okay, so we're both rooting for Georgia. Fingers crossed for Georgia. Our hoping is the Georgia against Michigan. But if Bama gets it, we, we understand. If Bama just takes it. We yeah, understand. I mean, you got to take your hat off to Nick Saban. I mean, mm-hmm. that, let's face it. He's a fan, just such a good coach. A fantastic yeah. coaching staff, just amazing program. And they, yeah. they shift at the right time. They make excellent adjustments. I was watching that Cincinnati game and, you know, Cincinnati is moving the ball, moving the ball. They called that timeout. Where were they on the seven yard line? They call that timeout. That's it. They have to settle for a field goal. I mean, that's incredible on first and goal from what was it? I believe it was a seven anyways. And they ended up set, settling for a field goal. And that's just a great example of, of saving going on. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on a second. Let's not. Let's not let these guys get get excited. Let's just let's let's change something here. And the players respond. You know, the players are trying to make big plays. Um, they're a very fortunate team as well. Uh, I mean, they, they have this habit where the a fumble always bounces back their way, and they end up picking it up. I mean, very true. Be, right? Very they're true. so lucky. Well, you know, Katie, my favorite quote is "Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity," and it's just. It's they're very prepared and the opportunity's there. It's so but true. again, I like to see the dogs do it. I like to see them pull it off. 
and hopefully we got an exciting game. I mean, that's I for mean, sure. I Although I will say this, this whole <laughs> SEC championship game twice, this is the second time this happens now. I mean, come on. I'm going to call out my entire ACC and uh, you can call out your your Big Ten friends and everything else. And we got to do something about this, right? So we gotta true. Do we got to team up. You know, elephants are notoriously good luck. And I think I think that has a little bit of what it has to do with it or something. <laughs> you, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, you, you, hey, by the way, interesting little tidbit. I don't know if you know this, but if you go to, so my, again, my parents are from uh, from Cuba mm-hmm. and uh, Cubans have this tendency where they put an elephant in your house, but the butt has to face, the elephant's butt has to face the front door. And wow. that means that good fortune is coming in, Right. That is so funny. So there you go. Just <laughs> <laughs> so anyone who has an elephant at home, yeah, if you've been sure your butt with an elephant in your house, you might want to turn it, but that butt facing the door and let the luck come in. <laughs> I love it. What do you think it is that Bamba has that the hurricanes are missing? Well, that's a big loaded question. I think they I have know. a lot of stability. Well, they have a lot of stability at the head coaching position. And, you know, the, the Hurricanes have had their share of, we'll say, allegations against them and this, that and the other. And that has to do, I believe, a lot with being in a market like Miami, Florida and being a small yeah. private school. Uh, at the end yeah. of the day, I mean, Alabama is a public school and, you know, it gets to be in a part in a, in a place uh, in the world where, you know, maybe a kid can be allowed to jaywalk once in a while. And maybe mm-hmm. a kid doesn't get in trouble for being a kid uh, yeah. here. I mean, we got a little bit more of a cosmopolitan type of scene uh, that yeah. becomes incredibly dangerous, if you would, especially for a young man that's here for the first time. You know, uh, people that live in Vegas, you guys get it. You live in New York City or something like that. You get it. You know, you don't have a, mm-hmm. nothing closes here, right? Yeah, <laughs> in trouble at any given point. That being said, the stability around the coaching staff and the stability of, you know, everyone, I think everything starts at the president with this athletic director and everything else. This is why I've been happy to see the changes that we've seen at the University of Miami. I mean, you, you kind of need to commit to something. And if you're not getting what you need, that to me, that's not the athletic director's job. It's they're there mm-hmm. to give the coach the tools they need and the coach, the coach needs to be successful. Mm-hmm. And if the coach can't be successful because of what have you, well, then you, you got to get some money, right? I mean, if you want to compete, yeah. you need to get money. Everything here is expensive, right? Practice mm-hmm. facilities are expensive. Or facilities are expensive. Being able to recruit folks and recruit effectively is expensive. So I think that Alabama, of course, with all the winning, that draws folks to want to go there anyways. You have the same coach for so many years and a proven winner. Well, that's going to have people draw there. So what the University of Miami has to do now is say, well, I'm committed, which we've seen recently, for example, we, we 100 percent. We've seen this, right? They made a change at athletic director. We, we've seen the president of the school say, hey, I want to get in. We're going to get involved. We're going to put more, more attention towards this. You're seeing the alumni respond as well. And at the end of the day, this is about fundraising. You know, it's interesting because, Katie, I'll tell you, if we look at presidential elections, and I don't care who people vote for, if we just look at the last presidential elections, mm-hmm. there used to be a time where all the elections were about big donors. And, and, and college football True. worked very much the same way, right? It's about big Absolutely. donors. However, what do we learn in the presidential elections? In the, you know, at least since the first Obama election is dollar donations count, $5 yes. donations count. And if you can reach out to your community, I mean, Miami is a community that loves the hurricanes. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many FSU grads, FIU people like myself, Florida State people like myself grew up hurricane fans because that's 
they, that's it. And folks that, you know, people that never went to college, people that went to yeah. community college, yeah. people that just barely get out of high As school. The whole community is around them. Mm-hmm. The whole community is around them. So, so once you reach out to that as well and you make them yeah. part of the fabric mm-hmm. and you commit to it, then I yeah. think you're going to see great things. So to me, it's commitment, location. You all have to be uh, rowing in the same direction. And mm-hmm. I mean, again, there are limitations of being a small private school. There's no doubt about it. The pockets just aren't as deep. You know, depending on your endowment, of course, mm-hmm. not speaking for the Harvards of the world, um, but, you know, to compete against the Alabamas of the world, to compete against the SEC conference in general, you need to be committed. And, and we do know yeah. one thing. I mean, you're in a state in Texas where there's talent. I'm in South Florida where talent is just, you know, top notch. And if you can keep your players here, if you mm-hmm. can keep your players in your school and you can attract some of the better talent from other uh, parts of the country, then you're in business. And, you know, I feel like we can do that. I mean, look, we got a kid, Van Dyke, Connecticut kid, right? I mean, that's, I mean, it says a lot about what we've been able to do from a recruiting standpoint and what the U means from a brand standpoint. I mean, they, I mean, think about it. The U is like, to me, the U is like the Yankee symbol. You recognize it. You know it. It has a history. Look at that. I love it. I love that you're doing it as well. <laughs> I've never had a reason to root against the Hurricanes by any chance. But at the same time, I've never had a reason to root for the Hurricanes. And I am now rooting for them for you. Yeah. Yeah. See? See what I mean? Except it's, when they it, played it, Michigan State this year. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's all right. Well, you know, we gave you a victory this year. Oh, <laughs> you're so you were ridiculous. a better team at that point of the season, no doubt about Thank it. Thank you for giving us that. <laughs> no, you were a much better team than us at that part of the season. Oh my gosh. Okay, so if you were on, <laughs> I'm free balling at this point. No, if go you were for on it, a no. desert island and you could only pick one team to take with you to safety. Would it be the Dolphins or the Hurricanes? Oh, no, it's the Hurricanes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I love the Dolphins. (laughs) You just leave it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Dolphins. I can only pick one. I got to pick the Hurricanes or the Dolphins. I'm picking the Hurricanes. Sorry. Okay. You know? Okay. I'm I'm a big fan of college sports. You know? I'm a big, big fan of college sports. I think that the, you know, once you get into the pros, it becomes a bit Um, Mm businessy, even though everything's a business, right? I mean, let's just be frank, but- there's something about the college game that calls it out that just makes me happy. And I will say this. The other thing, it's it's affecting college a bit. But the other thing is just, I appreciate commercials, but we got to figure something out. There's just yeah. too many commercials, right? There's just too many commercials. Totally. This whole concept of touchdown, you know, extra point commercial, kickoff commercial, you know, <laughs> oh, first a commercial, commercial, it's like, come on. And I feel really bad, especially anybody who's sitting there with your seat, you're all excited to be at the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, but without, if you don't do some good tailgating, you're not ready to take all those commercial breaks. But you know, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it's good for the athletes, but I would love to see, you know, take a break for commercials if you want. You know, I get it. It's, we got to pay the bills around here. Mm-hmm. That makes a ton of sense, but Maybe we could take a little picture, a little, maybe we could take a little bit of a lesson from, you know, football, soccer, if you would, and just have something running somewhere or we don't see or a graphic <laughs> that changes or what have you. But, but yeah, th- no doubt about it. I mean, again, the University of Miami created, I mean, if you ever watched, I think, I think Billy Corbin did a wonderful job when they did the 30 for 30 on the U, both of them. And yeah. I mean, we... I mean, we we were doing so many amazing things in the 80s when I was growing up. And that 2000 Aww. team, I mean, that 2000 University of Miami team was just um, uh, amazing with talent that for me, it's hard to leave that. Whereas my poor Dolphins, I'm Katie. I mean, we're still trying to pl- replace Dan Marino. I mean, oh. it's true. Tua is, Tua is great, though. I just think he's, you know, 
just take it off. I, I, I like to a lot. I want to see him succeed. He, he didn't have a strong finish to this season, though. I, I mean, I'll tell you that. And everything revolves around a good quarterback. You know, it's easier to win with a good quarterback. It just is. Your fan has I, I will say this. Sure. I got to give Ross some credit. I'm going to give the Dolphin organization a lot of credit. I think they've turned some things around mm-hmm. and have made some things happen that are setting them up to be very successful. And I think if we can be patient as a fan base, by the way, we've been super patient. Quick anecdote. I heard what someone on the radio once say that being a Dolphins fan, it's watching the Dolphins like watching Shawshank Redemption. I mean, you know how it's going to end, but you're going to watch it because it's great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> For any Dolphins fans listening, I, I hope that <laughs> – <laughs> Do not take offense to that. But hey, yes, they feel it too. The they feel it. Trust me. Listen, I, I, I well, by I'll say one other thing. It gets to the point in your life where, you know, <laughs> I was a season ticket holder for both and it became very difficult to go to both, right? Saturday and Sunday become very, very difficult. So, you know. <laughs> Completely. There's just too much, too much disappointment in one weekend. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I give credit where credit is due, though. We have a good tailgating scene for both games. Okay, just letting you know. True. Hands down. NFL. Let's do yes. this. Super Bowl 2022. I need your prediction for who will win. And then <laughs> also, do we think that the Super Bowl is now going to be played in Arlington? Yeah, let's start. Let's start backwards <laughs> here for one second. Let's start with location. I feel as though... And again, not to sound political here at all, but the state of California kind of needs to come out mm-hmm. and take a stance. And I know it's hard with shifting winds and shifting sands, and I get it. But take a stand. Take a stand. Pick it. Or how are you going to be? How are you going to mm-hmm. behave? And give people an opportunity to make a, a choice there on what they want to do. I don't think anyone wants a Super Bowl where there's no fans, right? Completely. I mean, I, I can't imagine it anyways, right? And I think that if they are even thinking about it, make the move, make the mm-hmm. move. I mean, I think I think Arlington's an amazing place to watch a game. I'm going to give a lot of credit to Atlanta, too. Earlier this year, I went to the Canes-Alabama game to start the season, the Chick-fil-A kickoff. And I got to tell you that that stadium, Atlanta, that Mercedes-Benz, I mean, that's gorgeous. That's just wow. fantastic. I like that the TV's not obtrusive. And I know the Dallas Cowboy fans will kill me for it. <laughs> but I just find that huge screen a little bit like I end up watching <laughs> the screen, not the, not the field. I kind of like what they did in Mercedes-Benz where they just threw it up there. So that being said, if they're going to move it to Arlington, I think they just do it. And I think mm-hmm. if you're going to pick a location, it's a great one to pick. It's easy to fly in there. It's easy to get around there. Yeah. Anybody who already have plans to go to a Super Bowl, and let's face it, that's not an everyday person. That's somebody who has a bit of money, if you would. Yeah. Go for it. Because if it's not going to help the local economy, because you're breaking it down anyways, well, allow it to help somebody else's local economy. Totally. This is what it's about, right? I mean, what is the point of having a Super Bowl if not for all the excitement and all the opportunity that it drives to the businesses in that area? And I think I that, again, agree. the state, the city, uh, the counties, I'll, I'll say, because I'm not too familiar with city or county when it, when it comes to California. Yeah. But, I mean, people need to make decisions and allow people to either flourish or make a decision not to. Because otherwise, think about it. Think about if you were the business owner, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, hey, if this thing happens, I'm going to be able to do X. Well, how are you supposed to forecast for that right now? Yeah. And if you're buying and if you're buying anything right now, I mean, I mean, we don't have to talk about it, but we will for a second here. Procuring meats right now alone, it's incredibly expensive. Food is more mm-hmm. expensive. Everything is more expensive. Everything's more expensive. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it's I think that what we need to do is allow people to understand, do I staff up and get ready for something? And then it doesn't happen. That's a catastrophe. 
allow somebody to make a stance and make it happen. I think the NFL should do the right thing there, quite frankly. Completely. I mean, let them have it another year, you know, move things around, negotiate. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's hard enough to get it, you know, and I think you should have the opportunity to get it again. I, I thought what MLB did with the All-Star game, I mean, that got super politicized, but that hurt Atlanta. So I was kind of happy to see, you know, the World Series and everything else work out, right? Because that, that hurts. That hurts the local folks in those areas. So. Oh, it does. I think what's unique about SoFi too, and I know every stadium was a lot of corporate sponsors, but 50% of the stadium is for corporate sponsorship. That's right. So that's already bringing down the levels of fandom just tremendously. Then as well with like ticket prices and things like that, I mean, say the Dallas Cowboys make it. You know that every Dallas Cowboys fan is going to try to be there. So ticket prices are, you know, the cheapest ticket right now is like six grand. (laughs) And that's for nosebleeds, which is absolutely insane. As well as the Super Bowl experience as a whole. I've been lucky enough to go. They make the city such an experience. Agreed. So with LA being so locked down, I am worried about that as well. I do think that though, with stadiums, they do normally have a backup. Like every year, there's essentially a backup. I think that this year, there's just been a lot more media around it because it normally isn't even a possibility. (laughs) Right. So all in all, I think it will stay in LA. That's my prediction. What's yours? Yeah, I, I again, I like for them to make a decision. And again, this is where... You know, to those folks out there that are government folks, right? I mean, get mm-hmm. get out of the way or help, right? Get out of the way or help. Because being in limbo for folks, I mean, that's that's not good. That's not good for anyone. And I agree with you, by the way. It, the game is the game, and it's great. I'm glad you've been able to participate. I'm still waiting to go for one. Although I will say this, I don't care how much it costs. Now, I'm going to go back on everything I said about the Canes. Because if the Dolphins get into the Super Bowl, I mean, listen, I can be expecting a child. Yeah, I am going to that. I'm going to find a way of getting into that stadium. I can tell you that. (laughs) But no, but for real, everything that happens around the stadium, you know, whether it's a corporate sponsored party somewhere, whether it's something happened in a different part of town. I mean, again, what that does for the local, what that does for, you know, a ride share service driver, right? What it does for an Uber driver out there, what yeah. that does for cab drivers out there, what that does for, for anybody standing in a corner with a cooler selling illegal water. I don't care what it is, right? I mean, hey, you're going to be out there. There's money to be, there's money to be had. Again, what it does for the economy of a local area is just fantastic. I mean, you got people that'll fly into a city just to represent the team in that city, right? They're not even going to the game. They just want to be part of the festivities. There's like a vast majority of people that do that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we get that a lot. We get like, I mean, tailgating isn't really, at least not in recent years. You used to be able to kind of tailgate for Super Bowls. They kind of knocked that all down, you know? But tailgating is a huge part of any game. If you think about it, there's a ton of people who tailgate with a group of people that then pop up their TV and they never even go in the stadium, right? They watch every (laughs) game from their TV. It always makes me laugh. Now let's talk about the prediction, okay? Prediction. So, you know, it's interesting because I like hot teams going in, right? So if we look at like the NFC, for example, right? You got some hot teams, right? The Rams have won five in a row. The Packers have won five in a row. Mm -hmm. The Bucks have won two in a row. Cowboys have lost one, right? Cowboys have lost one. Then the big thing then to me becomes, well, who's going to end up? Like this is the big weekend. And and Mm -hmm. for, for, for certain teams, do they get a buy? Do they not get a buy? And quite frankly, do you want that buy? Sometimes if you're in a hot, if you're hot right now, you kind of want to keep playing. It's like that week off, 
might hurt you, right? That's why you see people still throw a starter in, at least for the beginning of the game, keep things loose. If you're clicking, if you're if you're doing well, you got to keep going because it's all about motivation. So let's look, though, at the NFC. So, I mean, hey, the Cowboys, can they turn everything around and make things happen? The Rams' five-game winning streak doesn't mean, does it really mean something. The Packers look, I mean, amazing. But then there's that Brady factor, right? Are we going to keep yep. seeing Brady come back and come back? You know, it's hard to bet against that man. <laughs> he just finds yeah. a way to win. If you're going to beat that team, you get you just got to be up by more than a score with a minute and a half left, and they'll give him the ball because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll figure out a way of coming up the field on you. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go out there and say something crazy, though. What about the cards? Can the Cardinals, the Cardinals. come out of like nowhere it. and make things happen? <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm just gonna pick one. I'm just gonna pick one, and I'm just, and I'm gonna hook up your town. I'm gonna say that it's no. I'm not gonna. I can't, I can't pick the Cowboys. I think they're too erratic. But I want to. Okay. I just want to see the Cowboys come back and come through. You I'm can't pick something quit. erratic. I'm gonna throw <laughs> it out there, and I'm gonna say that the Rams just keep their streak going, and somehow Ooh. the Packers mess it up, and they end up going all the way. Wow. Okay. I'm just do it. I, I personally love that being a Southern California girl. <laughs> Fair enough. Love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> My pick is hands down for NFC Packers. Yeah. And I'd love to see it, honestly. I love Aaron Jones. And then Aaron Rodgers, we don't know exactly technically what's going to be going on, but let's see yeah. him go out in style. Yeah, even if he's, got a, he's got a chip on his shoulder right mm-hmm. now, too. And mm-hmm. that makes him a very dangerous person out there right now. Oh, he's totally. With him getting COVID. With, with everything he was that's happened, yeah. his little you know, battles with the masses, if you would, yeah. here and there. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. I'm just going to throw it out there because I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes the Rams get really creative. They got to, mm-hmm. you know, their their coach just seems to say, I don't care at the right moments. And it doesn't always work out for him, but I just think they can make things happen. I don't know. I don't know. I just got <laughs> a feeling. I love that. I'm between on the other side. On I'm the AFC, what do you got going on there? Okay, so I am predicting either Chiefs or Patriots versus Packers. I can't make up my mind. Yeah. Are you, are you loving at that? I can't make up my mind. Huge Mac Jones fan. Think he's incredible. I didn't ever really love the Patriots, but then I realized it's because of Tom Brady. I now love the Patriots. They are so fun to watch. And what a great organization. Chiefs, absolute loyalty to them. What a powerhouse team. I think that overall, they are honestly the best team. I think they've just had a lot of, you know, kinks and quirks and things that they had to work out this year. But if they can really pull it together, I think that it will be Chiefs, Packers, and then let them play. Yeah, I think the other team that I'm looking at, and only is because, oh my God, they are the Sybil of teams. I mean, what is up with Buffalo? Are they good or are they not good? I I don't know what I'm dealing with with them. And you know, the Bills Mafia is always out there and they're a very proud bunch. And they, they got they, the table. They me, you know, look, I grew up again, I'm, I'm a Dolphins fan. I grew up in the Bills Dolphins rivalry when that actually existed before the Patriots decided they were going to own uh, the AFC mm-hmm. Easter for forever. Totally. <laughs> but I just, I, I really want to see the Bills make it back because I want to see the Dolphins mm-hmm. make it back because I actually want that to be a rivalry again so I can relive something that doesn't exist anymore that people don't care about, right? But I think <laughs> it can come back because there was a time, 
right? So that being said, I, I'm curious to know if the Bills on this three-game win streak going mm-hmm. into this decide, I don't care who I'm playing, I'm going to go nuts and win. Of course, the Chiefs with that home field advantage at Arrowhead and everything else, there I mean, go. tough to beat. Here's what I stadium. About the Patriots, though. I think the Patriots are an interesting one because they got to play the Dolphins this week. And you're going to be like, the Dolphins? Hey, listen, the Dolphins beat them once a year, every year. Mm-hmm. We already beat them earlier this year, right? Mm-hmm. That was at the beginning of the year when we got our hopes up. That's true. <laughs> but here we are now at the end of the season. And for some reason, when it's that last game of the season here in Miami, they have a hard time beating us here. I don't know what it is. They I'm show up. By it. So this weekend, I think, carries a lot for the Patriots. I think the Patriots have to win this weekend. And if you're the Dolphins and you know you're, I mean, you're out, right? You're out of the playoff picture. You have no chances getting in there. This is your Super Bowl, right? And people are talking about Tua. Should he be a starter? Should he be looking at another quarterback? There's been a battle with ownership who, who's yeah. been like, oh, I wanted Joe Burrow. I don't want Burrow. Oh, I want, yeah. you know, great. You know what I mean? Things that, mm-hmm. that just happened there. It'll be interesting to see what kind of game plan they come out with if Tua comes out and the team comes out and says, you know what, I'm just going to finish the season strong and I'm just going to, you know, do something to the Patriots. And then what does that do to the Patriots? Yeah. What does that do to the Patriots going in there? So who am I going to pick? Oh, gosh, I'm with you. I think the Chiefs are clicking at the right time, even though they lost one there. I just think that they're going to go, you know, and I think we're going to see the Chiefs against the Rams again, if you would. We're going to see that. Oh, I love it. I'm yeah. excited. It's going to be uh, hard to beat the Chiefs. I just, again, they're clicking yeah. at the right time. To me, they're they're just bringing it together. But we'll see. Hey, it's the playoffs, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, what did Riley used to say in basketball? Pat Riley would say, the playoffs doesn't start until the home team wins. And, of course, yeah. uh, the home team loses. Of course, that's basketball where you get to play several games. But it's going to be interesting. I think this weekend's going to tell a lot who gets to buy, who doesn't. And then we'll see what happens really going in. But I'm pumped. I mean, this is, let's face it, if you were half paying attention this year, if your team was out of it, (laughs) this is when everybody really starts loading up and starts throwing money around. So we'll see what's going on. I think it was a really interesting year, too, where, again, a lot of the teams that were predicted to do extremely well, even the Chiefs, for example, they, yes, they came out strong in the very, very, very beginning. But then they had a huge hurdle of almost four losses in a row. I know. Um, where I think that almost like how, again, what we were talking about. Ugly where, losses too, by the yes, way. Tough Ugly. ones. Tough ones. A hundred percent. But I think <laughs> you just had to throw that in there. <laughs> the but it's true. I mean, I was let down. I was let down. I was believing yeah. in them, you know? Completely. And I got some real friends out there. So they know me. They know me well enough. Yeah. They know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that with, Again, all the uncertainty, I think that actually also reflected into football, where I think that there wasn't necessarily one team that every single week you're like, you could count on, where I think in years past, it's been a little bit predictable. You're right. No, I, I agree. I mean, there was a time there were even Kansas City were like, what's going on with this team? You know? Completely. And then it's Completely. like they woke up one day and they go, okay, we're Kansas City. That's... <laughs> you know? I am so excited. I'm so excited. You're excited. And then last but not least, we have the Winter yes. Olympics coming up. Yes. I'll keep this one short, but if you had to pick one Winter Olympic sport that you had to participate in yourself. Participate in myself? Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, I'm a Miamian. You can't put me anywhere near the cold, except if it's indoors. (laughs) Everybody knows that, right? You know, people, everybody thinks, oh, people from Miami, they can't take the cold. I promise you, the inside of my house is colder than the inside of your house. I promise. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that being like said, I, could do I have to participate in one. I would do curling, Olympic curling. I want to yeah. grab the little broom and I just want to pop it in there, you know, and everything else. And by the way, I heard once a long time ago, and and gosh, we, we I really should have looked this up because I got it from a, a CEO that was part of a company that I worked for. He gave a formula for success that he got from the Olympic, the Canadian Olympic curling coach. And you know, the Canadians are great at this. Okay. But the formula was performance is equal to skill level plus effort minus distractions plus or minus team dynamics. And I've always been very curious about this one. And I've always been enamored with it so much so that, by the way, I recently shoved my desk around. I would normally be able to just put it out here for you because it's always up on my I board. Say, I was like, with, it's up there with John Wooden's pyramid of success. Cause you know, you got oh, right? mm-hmm. to get, and that let's face that one works. Right. So <laughs> that being said, the fact that I got that and I just, it looks like a sport that I might be able to play. Even if you don't know how to skate, because I don't know if, if you ever come to my house, Katie, my floors are spotless and I still kind of sweep and I got a little Swiffer that I'm just amazing with. <laughs> so good. Now for the clean floors. Yeah, it's not a broom, but it's definitely a Swiffer. <laughs> I love it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> How about for you, though? This always cracks me up. So I was actually looking this up, and I remember seeing this a bit ago, but there's ski joring, which is basically <laughs> you are skiing behind a horse. So I feel like this would be good because it's like a little bit like dog sledding. You're almost having like the horse pull you. But you're still skiing. But also, I was like, and I feel so bad saying this, but then the horse would take all the snow. So I'd be like spotless in the back because they'd be having the wrath of all the snow. And I do see like zooming in the back. But I think I do (laughs) skidoring. And let me ask you, though, uh, maybe I haven't seen this one. I got to take a look at this one. Do you hold on to the horse or just behind the horse? You're like not holding on to the horse directly, but you have a little bit of attachment. And then you're going. (laughs) And then there's some where you're not even attached. That is interesting. I know. That's interesting. I will give, (laughs) I'll tell you what, to me, when I'm watching though, one of my favorite sports, it's almost a bit boring, but it just looks so hard is what the the biathlon is where they have to shoot in between all the cross country skiing. Yes. Yes. If you've only done one or the other, you know how hard those are individually, right? (laughs) And now you're like, you know, you're doing cross country skiing. You're super tired. And you have to hold a gun steady, hit the target. Crazy. Counting how many, you only have a certain amount of time to hit it too. And you got to keep going. I mean, it's it's amazing that they hit the target at all. Right? There's so, like 10 different things going on at once. Like, yeah, I know. There's so many. Why is just going a thousand different things? And then they're getting, you can see it. They're like huffing by the end of it, right? They're like huffing and puffing. And they're like, all right, now let me hold this gun. And I got to hold it steady while I'm huffing and puffing. I mean, all I know, if the winter apocalypse ever come, I want to hang out with one of those people. They're going <laughs> to be need alive. to protect us. Oh, not thousand percent. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Alberto, this has been so much fun. Uh, thank you, Katie. It's been a pleasure to be here with you and your audience. Welcome me back anytime. Hey, before I let you go, can I, can I just give you some advice here? Um, and this goes out to, I got to give a shout out if you don't mind. I'm going to give a shout out to Scallywag Cigars in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was there recently. 
I was part of a conference. Again, one of those guys with a lanyard walking around. And as my group was leaving, there was other group coming in with their lanyard. Shout out as what are the Fairmount Scottsdale Princess, just a wonderful hotel. And they had it all done up for Christmas. And it was just beautiful. I recommend it to anybody that goes out there. But I have some advice to my fellow cigar smokers. So I, I sat down at Scallywags after having dinner. I had time to kill before a red eye. And I go, well, I'm going to go enjoy a cigar because, you know, let, let, give me some time to kill and have some right. good conversation with the kind of people that hang out at, you know, cigar bars. And people know if you've been to one, you know what I'm talking about. There's always <laughs> good conversation. There's some kind of game on. You're going to have a conversation much like you and I have had right now. So I walk in, I, I pick a beautiful Placencia uh, Maduro cigar and I light it up and I'm sitting there. I'm having a wonderful time. I set my alarm to give me enough time to drop off the rental car and get to the airport. And when I'm there is when I, and I have to put my mask on to go into the airport is when I realize, you know, uh, maybe smoking a cigar is not a great idea <laughs> before you have to be in a mask for the next six hours of your life. <laughs> so true. I mean, look, I love the smell of a good cigar, but your own cigar breath coming back at you for six hours. Yeah, that's a little bit over the top. I will. I will say that. So just want to give a little bit of, you know, advice to my friends out there. You know, uh, you, you might want to reconsider that one or get the cigar a little bit earlier. Pack extra gum. I don't know. I tried a little bit of everything, but it was what it was. Although I do want to again shout out to the people at Placencia. Well, fantastic cigars and Aww. and scallywag cigars they say it's one of the oldest cigar bars there they say it's been there since the 50s and it was a pipe smoking place when it first started so wow cool little spot yeah old town scottsdale oh okay well we gotta go and thank you for the advice alberto and thank you for joining me on game changers tune in next week for another episode of Game Changers. Thank you so much, Alberto. Hopefully our predictions come true. Let's see. Good luck. <laughs>